This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I'm just so thankful that you were with us. You decided to come out. I couldn't believe it. I woke up, and I'm like, I got up pretty early this morning, and I had no clue. I didn't even look outside uh, before I drove, and then I got in my truck, and I literally slid down my driveway, and uh, I'm like, oh, didn't expect that one, and uh, again, drifted into church this morning. So... Um, You know, this video that we just saw is a powerful rendering of a story that we find in John chapter four. Jesus has been preaching and teaching in Judea and he decides that he has to get back to Galilee. Um, You know, I've heard this story and read this story many times, but verse four is the one that caught my attention this time. And it says in verse four, he had to go through Samaria he had to go through Samaria. Now, I just want to let you know that he didn't have to go because most people, most uh, Jews, especially at that time, would have skirted around Samaria in order to get to Galilee. He didn't have to go. But as we're going to see here in a minute, he had to go. There was an encounter that he had to have. Today, we are kicking off a brand new series, and I am privileged to be the first one to do part one, but it is as, we, as you go, being a witness in today's world. You see, Jesus, after the resurrection, gave us one final order before ascending to heaven, and that was go and preach the gospel. That order has not changed, and in this series, we're going to explore what it means to preach the gospel in an ever-changing world. As we navigate through life, what does it look like to faithfully follow Jesus' last order? So I know this, was, uh, this series was actually not planned when we put it on the calendar for to start this day specifically, but it is kind of interesting to me that today, um, if you do know, uh, it is St. Patrick's Day. How many knew that? Okay. And so how many actually wore your green? Did you wear your green? Okay. All right, well, just, just in case, don't be, don't, be, don't be trying to pinch me. I've got my green. You just can't see it, okay? How many think that, uh, that St. Patty is a leprechaun? Yeah, good. No one raised your hand. That's really, really good. Patrick, for where St. Patrick came from, was from the Roman Britain in the 5th century, At 16 years old, he was kidnapped by Irish pirates. There were pirates, I guess, back then in the 5th century. He was taken and held captive in Ireland and then was able to escape the prison only to return years later to reach that country for Christ. He returned to that country to spread the gospel and to spread Christianity. I didn't know that until I started working on my message. I thought it was wear your green, don't get pinched, and do other festivities that some people do. That's what we know it. It's been secularized, but but the fact is is that it is a a celebration of this guy's life, of St. Patrick, who spread the gospel throughout Ireland. 
And so maybe today, as we're thinking about getting through this message and you hear some of the points, maybe you'll look at St. Patrick's Day a little bit differently. And maybe you're listening today and you have never thought about telling others about your faith because it's personal. Or maybe you've tried. You've tried telling your story about life change and you were met with hostility. Somebody who didn't believe quite like you and really stood against what you were saying. Or maybe you're someone who is fairly outgoing and is open about your faith, but you've been scourged because you haven't seen the life change and the transformation that you think should be there. Well, wherever you are on the spectrum, my prayer today is that you would leave with a passion to share your story of Jesus with those around you. So as you'll see through this narrative, as we work through this story of the woman at the well, Uh, When we encounter Jesus, we are changed. And when we're changed, we can't help but tell others about that transformation. So the first, I have three themes that I kind of pulled away from this story. And the first is Jesus pursues us. Jesus pursues us. In verse 7, It says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. We just saw that. In verse nine, let's skip down. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said, Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? You see, this woman was surprised because this was an unusual, in fact, probably this has never taken place that she had ever seen where a Jew was talking to her, a Samaritan. Not only that, she was a Samaritan woman. You see, during this time period, the women would gather together uh, and they would go and get water for the day. So they would go get the water for the cleaning, the cooking, and the drinking. And it was a social event, but it was also a practical event. And they would do this in the early morning when it was cool or in the, in the late evening when it was cool. This Samaritan woman, because of her social and her moral status, she went when no one else was there. And so she went into the middle of the day. It was the heat of the day. And so I don't want you to miss this. The timing of when she went is very important because I don't believe that there are any coincidences with God. See, Jews did not talk with Samaritans in general, let alone a Samaritan woman. Here, we have the racial barrier. Secondly, she was at the bottom of the social ladder, and literal, a little outcast in that time period. And there we have the social barrier. And finally, she was living a sinful life. And here we have the moral barrier. I don't know about you, but put that in today's context, and that, pretty, that hits home pretty, pretty good. But here's what Jesus did. He had a very personal conversation. And no matter those barriers, those three, right, the racial, the social, and the moral barrier, he reached right through those barriers and spoke to her. So, spoke to her intimately and talked to where she, where she was at. And so she had never, ever experienced someone of that social status be as gracious and merciful and loving as he was to her. 
Listen closely, and I want you to really hear this. I'll repeat it. Our pursuit of Jesus is important. Don't miss this. Our pursuit of Jesus is important, but it's not nearly as important as his pursuit of us. One more time. Our pursuit of Jesus, that is important. We have to go after him. But his pursuit of us trumps that. His pursuit of us is more important than that. And you need to know that, uh, when, that Jesus is pursuing you today. Maybe you are suffering rejection from a divorce. You need to hear that he's not rejecting you. He's pursuing you. Or maybe you're bound up by, uh, by this, uh, this bondage of addiction. And you don't know how that you're going to be set free. He's pursuing you today. And for those maybe who have never even had a moment where you've, you've, re, you've internalized having this relationship with Jesus, where you have said out loud, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. He's pursuing you today. His pursuit of us is key. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't stop until we're found? But what's really cool is that it's not just, hi, Jesus, nice to meet you. It's, it's bigger than that, and he seeks us out. But once we encounter him and the power of this transformation, it changes us. It transforms us inside. And that's really the second theme I see in this passage. Jesus pursues us, and secondly, Jesus changes us. He changes us. So, how is this Samaritan woman changed? Let's read scripture here. Verse 10. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. Of course, she's thinking literal water. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. You know, I just think that she is shocked right now. She's shocked because Jesus is talking to her, a Samaritan and a Samaritan woman. I can't help, but because of that, she's thinking, I mean, this guy's pretty open-minded, right? He's talking to me. This is out of the blue, but he's talking to me. But he doesn't know my past. He doesn't know my history. He doesn't know what I've been through, the life that I'm living now. He doesn't know any of that. Because if he knew all that, he would never offer me this living water. Well, let's pick it up. Verse 15, let's see what happens. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. And Jesus, go and get your husband. Well, I don't have a husband, the woman said. You're right. You don't have a husband, for you have five husbands. You've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the one you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Then it hits her. He knows. He knows my past. But wait a minute. 
he knew. He knew even though, he knew even to give this living water, even though he knew her past. He knew. There was no surprise for him. But for her, it was an aha moment. Wait a minute. He knows all this and he's still going to give me this living water? Of course, <laughs> she tries to change the subject real quick by making a theological debate here. She tries to hide herself in religion. How many maybe tried that before? But religion can only do so much. How many times have we waved the banner of our denomination or waved the banner of, of some kind of a doctoral statement or theological statement? But that's only going to get us so far. And sometimes it gets us into trouble. So she's trying to argue with Jesus about which temple is the right one to worship in. And Jesus is like, the hour is coming and now is where you won't need the temples, the priests or the sacrifices. You won't need any of that anymore. You won't need all of that because you've got, you can go right to God. You see, back then, their way to God and to get uh, recompense or whatever you want to look at it, to, to be freed and, and to, to, uh, to be right with God was they had to go to a priest. They had to go to the temple and they had to make sacrifices. But he says, you won't need all that because you can go right to God. And you know why you can do that? Jesus speaking to her, because I'm about to sacrifice myself. In fact, you're looking at the Messiah right now. And what happens then? She runs back to town telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. You see, we need a relationship with the Savior that transforms us from the inside out. And this woman experienced Jesus. Something that Jesus could only give her. Listen to this. To be loved but not really known is superficial. To be known but rejected, well, I think that that's our greatest fear. But listen to this. To be completely known and unconditionally loved, well, that's Jesus. He's saying, I don't care about your past. I don't care about your mistakes. I don't care about all your failures. I want to offer you this living water because I see you. No, I really see you. When Jesus steps into our life and he heals us from the pain of divorce or from the bondage of addiction, when he he can give us the happiness, or even more specifically, he can give us that joy that no salary, no job, no house, no material thing could ever provide. You see, when it happens, there is a worldview shift that happens, and we can't stop talking about him. The same way that Jesus pursued us, we need to begin to pursue others. And that leads me to the main idea of the series that we're starting today. We need to pursue others. We, we need to pursue those who don't know Jesus. In verse 39, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Remember that word, testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Jumping down to verse 42, then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. 
What's, what's the word testimony mean? Def, the definition of testimony is to give firsthand authentication to an important fact. Here, Scripture is saying that the woman told Jesus, uh, that, the, that, that the woman told them, the people in the, in the village, that Jesus was the Savior of the world. And that word testimony is not just he's the Savior of the Jews, or he's the Savior of just the Samaritans, or maybe he's just the Savior of me. No, he said, uh, she said that he's the Savior of the world. She was testifying to this Messiah, to the Savior of the world. See, when you bring in a witness to uh, testify in a courtroom, you want their testimony to be objective. You don't want somebody on the stand saying, well, I feel that, or I think I saw. You want somebody with factual evidence, not feeling-based, because anything else is just hearsay. You need somebody who was there, who saw it with their eyes, and it needs to be fact-based. And I think that the same goes for you and me. Some of you here, God has done something radical, something miraculous in your life. And no matter what anybody else could tell you, you know it because on a shadow of a doubt, it happened to you because you experienced it. Maybe you've been healed from cancer or some other sickness. Maybe you've been freed from the bondage of addiction. And maybe you're like Luke, who leads our, our Celebrate Recovery Life Group, who has been changed and is now leading others into freedom. Maybe that's you. There's nothing anyone can say to change your mind because you know you experienced it firsthand and you witnessed it with your own eyes. You felt it. So how is this Samaritan woman able to testify about Jesus so adamantly? Well, I think there's just a few things that I want to point out within this short, very short interaction with Jesus. The first thing is transparency. Just tell people what happened to you. That's it. You can't tell somebody else's story, but you can surely tell yours. If you identify yourself as a Jesus follower, then the only way that you can fail in telling people about Jesus is hiding who you really are, hiding your heart. If you're a Christian and the people around you don't know that you're a Jesus follower, then you're hiding who you are. And here's the thing. This may be an indicator that Jesus isn't as central in your life as you might thought. What do I mean by that? I think if, if you are not including him in your decision-making, if you're not including him in, the, in your future, if you're not including him in the conversations that you have with, uh, with regards to what is going on and is central to your life, then maybe he's not as important as you might think. Pope Paul VI said this, the first means of evangelization is the witness of an authentically Christian life. We need to drop this pretense. We need to shed the masks. We need to pull off the facades and live authentically. You know, this is one of the main reasons I'm actually here today as one of the pastors at Life Church. Back in 2005, when I met Pastor Rich for the first time, that meeting was a game changer. 
And I only met a few people in my life, leaders specifically, that were transparent, that were open and honest. And he basically, even in that first meeting, kind of shared some of his struggles and his weaknesses. And that has never happened to me before, where somebody was just first meeting, opening up his heart to be like, listen, I don't have it all together. I don't know what to do. I don't know. I have all the answers, but this is me. When you get to that point where somebody says, this is me, that transparency disarms us. It disarms the whole situation and you're able to open up your life. Transparency is important. And anything transparent, right? It allows light to pass through so that you can see what's inside or see what's behind it. And that light is the light of Jesus in our life. I want to illustrate this, okay? You're going to humor me here? All right. I know you guys are sleeping. I can see you nodding off. I can't help that. But uh, if you haven't got the coffee, that's your own fault. Just saying. Everyone pull out your smartphone. I'm serious. If you have a flip phone, nope. No shame. It's okay. Pull out your smartphone. Get it ready to go. All right? And if you don't have your phone, good on you. That's okay. You don't have to be here with a phone. It's probably better. All right? Just want to illustrate this, okay? Lights. You see, one light, just one light, dispels darkness. See that? Go ahead and turn on your lights. Go ahead and shine them around so everyone sees. If we are living a life that is covered with masks and facade, how can this light shine through? How can this light reach other people? In Matthew, it says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket or no one covers it up. We have to put our light on the stand. We have to put our light on the hill so that everyone can see. And we can't do that when there is stuff in our way with the light that's inside of us, which is Jesus shining out. Amen? Amen. You can have the lights back. This world can be a dark place, but here we have a couple hundred people. What about a couple hundred million or a billion of people who are talking about this Jesus and talking about them publicly, living this faith out publicly? The second way this woman could testify, the first is transparency, the second is simplicity. She didn't know anything other than what had just happened. I mean, we're talking just a couple of verses of this interaction where she didn't have anything else. She, yes, she had the religious things that she had heard about and the temples and all that, but other than that, that was the only encounter she had with Jesus. That was it, that's all she knew. And here's what happened, I love this. Because we mess it up. What do I mean by that? We know how to say it. We know what to believe. We know how to dress. We know how all of that. We've got, we've got what to say. We know how to act. We, com- we completely make it 
so complicated for people to enter into the kingdom because of our own religious things that we put on top of it. It is very simple. We overcomplicate it. She says, come see a man. That's her words to everyone. It says, the Bible says, she goes up and says, telling everyone that she says, come see a man. That's all. I think we miss this because we want to package it and put it in different forms and be like, okay, put it in some doctrinal statements and put it into some theological, you know, I'm all for growing and spiritual growth. We're all for that. But when it comes down to brass tacks and what Christianity really is, here it is, Jesus. It's Jesus. Come see a man. And for you and me, come hear about this Jesus. Let me just give you this book. Why don't you read about this Jesus? Come to church. Why don't you hear about this Jesus? Let me tell you my story so that you can hear about this Jesus. That's how simple it is. We, we have overcomplicated. I'm just asking, guys, simplify this gospel. Simplify it to where it is just Jesus. Jesus is the only one in all other religions. You can look it up. Jesus is the only one that says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one can get to the Father except what? Through me. So how can this woman testify about Jesus? One, transparency. Two, the simple gospel, the simplicity. And the last thing is boldness. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Of all people, why would this village of of people listen to her? You already heard about it. She's, she's got a horrible past. She's living in sin. Why would she come in with something, especially anything religious, why would they listen to a woman like that? Why would they even give her the time of day? And she knew that. She knew that. She was going into the fire. And she knew that. But, why, but with boldness, she ran into that, that, that village and said, come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. It takes boldness. It does. It, it, and, some, and some people have walked out and it's like, I don't have that. I don't have, there's no way that I could actually do that. Well, I tell you what, if you have met Jesus and he has changed you inside and out, there's no way that you could keep silent. She became the first evangelist in the book of John and she had to go and tell others. I'm reminded of Matthew 18 because Jesus is sitting with his disciples. He's talking about the parable of the lost sheep as, as we know it. There's a hundred sheep there's in, in this herd and one of them got lost. And so what does the shepherd do? He leaves the 99, which is the bulk of them, right? To go after the one. That one is as important as the whole flock. What does that mean today? Do you know who is the one? You, me, us, we're the one. He will leave the 99 to come after you, to come after me. That's powerful. So my question is, if you have this life-changing 
power inside of you and you are ready to go after who's your one? Who's your one that you need to go and pursue? This is a bold statement, but there's no one in the Bible, Old or New Testament, that experienced God without being sent. We must pursue others. It takes boldness. But if we're transparent and we just simply tell our story, we're just simply telling what happened to us, those who here will encounter Jesus. Can I, can I let you off the hook for a minute? You are not the one that does the changing. Amen. You're simply sharing what God has done in you. And then the Holy Spirit, boom, does the work for us. So here's just a couple thoughts and then we're done. I don't know if you missed it, but in verse 28, it says that she put down the water jar before, before returning to the village. After encountering Christ, nothing else matters. What does this jar symbolize? What does it mean for me? Well, I believe it was old routines, old habits, old traditional thinking, old mindsets, old boxes that you've put God in, old addictions. Some people would categorize her sin as, ooh, that's a bad sin, adultery. Ooh, that, that's, that's higher than this one. Not in Jesus' eyes. They're all the same. Our sin is sin. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I have some old things that I'm holding on to and I've got to let this, I've got to, I've got to leave this jar at the well. God has changed me and I don't want to return back to the village with all of these weights and all these concerns. I don't want to have to come back here for this water that will never quench my thirst. I want to leave here with the living water that is bubbling up inside of me that I know will give eternal life. You may be asking, what? How can I? Chris, I'm not outgoing like you. I couldn't stand up and tell anyone. I couldn't even meet somebody in the parking lot and tell them about anything like that. I'm, I'm way too introverted. Can I just simplify this to the <laughs> smallest denominator? Just simply tell people you're a Christian. Let them know. I'm a Christian. I'm a Jesus follower. Actually, maybe that would be better. I'm a follower of Christ. Skip the, skip the Christian. That's too hard. That's too, there's too, everyone has a different view of that. Let's say I'm a follower of Christ. Just start there. And that, that could open up a door for you to share your story. What about just letting people know you go to church? That could lead to an invitation. Maybe you're a little bit more bold. And maybe you've lived this out a lot longer. And you're, that, none of that scares you. I would encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit, who is it that I need to talk to today? Just had a, a, a great lunch with a friend here at the church and uh, 
and had a great time of fellowship. And at the end of that lunch, we began to share our stories. And this, this gentleman is, could be my father, so probably in his, I don't know his age, but he's an older man. I don't want to say that. <laughs> but he just began sharing a story, and he got excited. He goes, Chris, in 1975, I got radically saved. And he goes, I find myself coming to these public places and I just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, lead me to somebody that needs to hear about you. That's bold. And if we're mature Christians who have Jesus inside of us, that shouldn't scare us. That should be the natural step forward. And so I would encourage you, no matter where you are in this spectrum, no matter what's going on, Step, one step forward, one action step, one conversation. Who is your one? Go ahead and stand with me. I'm gonna finish here, wrap this up. You guys, this is not revolutionary. This is not some kind of like award-winning message. This is a simple message of the love of Jesus. So I'm going to talk to three, three different people here today. So if you would, just go ahead and close your eyes. This is the time for you, Jesus, and my eyes, okay? First, I want to pray for those who have never experienced the life-changing power of Jesus, who have never accepted Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. Second, I want to pray for those who have experienced him but have gotten lost along the way. You're like the sheep. You once had a shepherd, but now you're not sure. And so I want you if that's you, I want to talk to you here in just a minute. And the third person I want to talk to is those who aren't necessarily lost, but have lost that boldness, that have not really taken that next step to really share about what Jesus has done in their life. And I want to, I want to encourage you today to step out. So the first person, if it's you today, would you please go ahead with your eyes closed, raise your hand if you have never really accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you've never made that commitment and you don't know if you're saved, would you raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Secondly, to those who've experienced him but have never have got lost along the way, if that's you and you just want a recommitment, you want to kind of get back on track, you want to get back with the herd, <laughs> the flock of sheep, you want to get back with them, if that's you, go ahead and raise your hand. Thank you. Wow, thank you. And the last... If you just need that boldness, if you want to just, Jesus, I want to pursue others like you have pursued me and you've changed me and I need to tell this to somebody else. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Thank you. Father, we just lift up our hands, our voice, our hearts, our minds to you and say, God, thank you for the change and the transformation that is happening in our hearts today. Father, for the first person that said, I don't know you, God, I just thank you that they can lift up your voice and they can just say, God, forgive me for my sin. I turn from what I've been doing and I make right what is wrong. And God, I want to follow you the rest of my days and I make you Lord of my life. And for God, those who have lost their way and lost their path and don't really know uh, uh, kind of where to go, but today they're feeling that they want to get back 
to where they, where, where they belong. And that's in with you. God, I thank you that they can do that. They can just be pulled together into this tribe, into this where they belong. And they can start making uh, changes in their life to further the development and grow spiritually in you. And for this last group, God, I'm so thankful that you have called all of us. And you've changed us inside and out. And so we walk with boldness. And God, we walk with a simple gospel, with simplicity, with simplicity, we tell people about our story and with transparency, we say, we don't have it all together, but God, use us and change us. Father, we're so thankful that we have a moment, a moment with you to be transformed. And God, we thank you in advance for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.